Hello, I'm Matt Donnelly, and are you ready for some football? We have your Denver Broncos versus the Seattle Seahawks Monday Night Football preview coming at you right now. Yes, that's right. We are bringing you another primetime preview as we close out week number one. Back in March, the Seattle Seahawks, they traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos for Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, two firsts, two seconds, and a partridge in a pear tree. Now, I can't confirm the latter of that deal, but I just have to feel that that was thrown in there as well. Russell Wilson, he's already gone on and said here earlier this week that this was not the first time that the Seattle Seahawks tried to trade him. In fact, it probably wasn't even the second or the third time, but one time that he did recall, 2018, when the Seattle Seahawks, they kind of kicked the tires there of the Cleveland Browns back when they wanted to acquire that number one overall selection. I know back then, Pete Carroll, he still loved himself a little bit of Russell Wilson. I mean, there's still that little bit of a, it's amore when it came down to Carroll and Wilson's relationship. But I don't think that quite is the same as it is now because if you listen to the press conference, Pete Carroll basically said, hey, whatever the fans are into, whatever the 12s are up to, I'm down with them, which is basically coach speak for boo that man. The Denver Broncos, you knew they were going out there and getting themselves a quarterback. I mean, they've struggled the last couple seasons here with Drew Locke, with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they can't draft a quarterback to save their lives. In fact, the best quarterbacks that they've ever had was the free agent signing of Peyton Manning and the trade that brought them John Elway. Now, it wasn't just the quarterback that came in. The Broncos have a new head coach as well in Nathaniel Hackett. So this offense is going to look a little bit different, which I think is going to look very good for the running backs here, considering his track record back in Buffalo there with the likes of Fred Taylor in Jacksonville with Leonard Fournette and in Green Bay with the likes of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Now let's talk about Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos team, starting at the quarterback position, obviously. Wilson, this is a revenge game of sorts for him. I mean, it's not as big of a deal as maybe Baker Mayfield going back to Cleveland for the Carolina Panthers, but I mean, it's on the back of Russell Wilson's mind. And you know what? Sierra probably really just wanted to get out of Seattle, but Denver was Wilson's top choice when it came down to teams that he could be traded to. And as bad as the Seahawks team has been, the difference maker in this contest could very well be the 12s. I mean, the coaching staff, they know what Russell Wilson's about. They know what he's prone to do, and he's prone to take some sacks from time to time. And it'll be the unusual suspects, so to speak, there in Seattle that include Daryl Taylor and his six and a half sacks in five contests last season. The aforementioned Shelby Harris, who had six sacks for the Denver Broncos last season, and newcomer from the Los Angeles Chargers, Yucheni uh, Nuwasu, who had some big games towards the end of the year for the Chargers. I mean, he gave the Raiders fits in that last game of the season, week number 18 there. Now, Wilson, he is ready to ride with Broncos country. I mean, Broncos country, let's ride. I mean, that was kind of his shtick there for a couple months. I mean, we're probably still going to make fun of him all throughout the season there. But now, Wilson, he has fully recovered from that finger surgery that really hampered his production last season. Not only did he miss time, but when he did return, it wasn't good. And you could tell that the finger was definitely bothering him. Now, this offense here in Denver, it may be the best pieces of any offense that Russell Wilson has been able to work with. And that is saying something considering what Seattle had surrounded him with. I mean, you got the likes of DK Metcalf, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Marshawn Lynch. But this Denver Broncos pass catchers and running backs, they're as good as any in the league right now. Now, unfortunately, it's great to have offensive pieces, but you have to have some sort of competency to get the ball to them. And that's what Seattle does not have right now. Relying on Geno Smith. And now I'm giving Geno Smith a hard time here, but truth be told, four games last season, we have a pretty good idea what to expect from him this year. And I'll give you a hint it's not good. 
In four contests, sure, the efficiency was there, 65 of 95 for 702 yards, five touchdowns to only one interception. That sounds good. The completion percentage sounds good, but he never threw for more than 210 yards in any of those contests. In fact, his best contest came against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which should tell you all you need to know there, a 20-for-24 performance there in which he threw for 195 yards and two touchdowns. And that also happened to be Tyler Lockett's only productive game with Geno Smith under center. Now, Geno Smith, he's going to have his hands cut out for him there. He's going to have to get the ball low quickly because Randy Gregory, he's looking to make his Broncos debut after six-sack performance there in 2021. And Bradley Chubb, he's returning to this Broncos lineup after missing much of last season due to injury. So if the Seahawks are having any chance in this contest, two things come out of there. Geno Smith has to get the ball out of his hands quickly and make smart decisions. And rookie tackle Charles Cross, he has to dominate his side of the line of scrimmage. Now, talk about those running backs here a little bit. I've been on record of saying whatever it costs to acquire Javante Williams services for your fantasy football rosters, you need to pay the piper. You pay that cost. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's too low. Now, we know what he's capable of doing. Him and Melvin Gordon basically split touches in that backfield 50-50 last season, and that's including the yardage. I mean, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are basically going to be tied at the waist here, but I think you're going to see more of a transition to Javante Williams this season, more of a 60-40 split. We already know from what Melvin Gordon's saying that the Denver Broncos want Javante Williams to be the man, especially after rushing for 903 yards, averaging 4.4 yards per carry last season. Now, Williams, expect a big workload this way. That game script's going to dictate a heavy run flow kind of script for the Denver Broncos, assuming that the Seahawks are probably dead and out of it by the second quarter. But hey, games are played on paper. Now, one thing that could be a bit of a deterrent for Javante Williams is Jordan Brooks there in the middle, one of the most efficient tacklers in the National Football League. 130 solo tackles, 183 total. But will he still have the same production now that Bobby Wagner's no longer there to funnel that over to him? Can Jamal Adams step up in the run game, maybe fill the box a little bit, maybe help out, stop that run a little bit? I don't know. That's to be seen. But one thing I do know is these Broncos running backs, they can catch the ball out of the backfield. And Quandre Diggs is going to have a little bit to say in that when it's all said and done. Williams had 43 receptions last season and an additional 316 yards. So we know that the Broncos are more than willing to play this passing game out of the backfield. And we know that Quandre Diggs He's probably one of the better safeties when it comes to defending the pass against running backs in the National Football League. Now, as far as Melvin Gordon's concerned, I already talked to you about him being one of the top backup pairing type running backs in the in the NFL right now. As mentioned, his numbers, they basically mirrored what Javante Williams did. In fact, whatever Williams was able to do, Melvin Gordon was able to do better on the ground. He led the duo in rushing yards with 918, in yards per carry with four and a half, and he actually doubled up on Javante Williams on rushing touchdowns with eight of them. Speaking of good running backs, maybe one of the best running backs down the backside, back end of the season there last season was Rashad Penny. Listen, he only had 749 yards in 10 contests last season, but he averaged 6.3 yards per carry. And if you look at the final five games of his season, he had four games in which he produced over 135 rushing yards and 671 of those 749 rushing yards came over that period of time. Six touchdowns on just 92 carries. There was no running back more efficient than Rashad Penny, and that's including Jonathan Taylor. Now, the one thing that Penny wasn't able to do was be effective in the pass game. So there you have Travis Homer stepping up to the plate. Kenneth Walker, he's still recovering from that hernia surgery there in the offseason. So we know there's a pass catching role available. And Travis Homer in this Seattle Seahawks offense, they're likely going to need to pass more often than not. 
Speaking of passing, let's talk about some pass catchers for the Broncos and the Seahawks, starting with the Denver Broncos trio of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler. Now, Sutton, everyone in the NFL, the NFL media and fantasy managers alike are expecting big things from Sutton now that Russell Wilson is in town. I'm talking Cooper-esque type, revival-type things here, moving him up the wide receiver rankings after just 58 receptions, 776 yards, and two touchdowns a season ago. And most of that was courtesy of Jerry Judy being out of the lineup. Because when Jerry Judy was in the lineup, it wasn't good for anybody. Now, one would have to expect that the Seattle Seahawks will be assigning Sidney Jones to Cortland Sutton for most of this contest and his 84.3 passer rating, along with his 10 passes defended last season. Now, Jerry Judy, he dealt with all kinds of injuries. In fact, he was kind of an injury for Cortland Sutton. He was kind of the kiss of death in this offense because when Judy was healthy, this was not a very productive offense. I mean, it was just just wasn't in sync at any time. And for Judy, he only had 38 receptions of, and 467 yards in those 10 contests that he had played. But there are some out there that believe that Jerry Judy could be Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett here in Denver. And I can kind of see some of that. And you know what? If that is the case, Russell Wilson basically turned Tyler Lockett into a t- perennial top 15 wide receiver for fantasy along with DK Metcalf. Now, if Jones is there on Court and Sutton, then that leaves Artie Burns basically to be on Jerry Judy, which is a matchup that I think the Broncos can easily exploit, especially early on in this contest. Now, the final receiver I want to talk about for the Denver Broncos is K.J. Hamler. If Jerry Judy can't be the Tyler Lockett to Russell Wilson, then maybe K.J. Hamler can be because Hamler and Wilson, they did a little bit of working out on the side during the offseason there. And Hamler, he is quicker than fast, and he's plenty fast enough. I'll tell you what. This Broncos team, when Hamler is in the lineup, he adds an entirely new dynamic, one that is desperately missed now that Tim Patrick has been lost for the season due to that ACL. Now for the Seattle Seahawks, you know, I just, I can't get behind these receivers for any reason. I call it the Geno Smith factor, but they just scare me one way or the other. Now, I'd rather have someone else kind of deal with the fallout of DK Metcalf, of Tyler Lockett, but we have to talk about him here because with Smith, we've got a small sample size of what these receivers are capable of doing. Metcalf had produced 295 yards, including two games in which he had over 95 receiving yards. It also helps when Geno Smith is targeting you 24% of the time, as he had 23 targets out of the 95 attempts that Geno Smith had thrown for. With this all taken into consideration, if you add the targets and the yardage up in that four-game sample size, Metcalf would have been on pace for a 1,000-yard season after falling short of that mark a season ago by 33 yards. One of these Seahawks pass catchers, they are going to draw Patrick Sertain, who had defended 14 passes and had four interceptions a season ago. My guess is Patrick Sertain, he is going to be assigned DK Metcalf. That means Ronald Darby will be there trying to defend Tyler Lockett. Now, Tyler Lockett, man, is there any receiver that gets more disrespect than Tyler Lockett year in and year out? I mean, all he did last season was have a 68.2% catch rate, put out 1,175 yards, And in his four games with Geno Smith, he actually had 246. Now, I know not all stats are created equal because 142 of them all came in one contest against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finally, let's talk about D. Eskridge. I doubt there's going to be enough volume here based on what we've seen Geno Smith do in the past. I mean, the guy was barely throwing 25 passes per game to make D. Eskridge a viable fantasy option. But hey, I made the show sheet. I want to make sure to talk about D. Eskridge because he's one of my guys. I absolutely love what he's able to do if given an opportunity to do so. That said, now let's turn our attention to the tight ends here, starting with Albert O. Why am I calling him Albert O? Because I can't pronounce his last name. I can barely pronounce Albert O as it is. Now, Okuwe Bunam, 
Hunam? I, I don't know. So don't, don't judge me. Now, Greg Dolchich, he's injured. Alberto, he is starting his journey to live up to these unrealistic expectations. I'll say it there. We have placed unrealistic expectations on Alberto because no offense, he's gone. Because Russell Wilson is there. But if you look at Russell Wilson, he ain't about that tight end life. Never has been. Gerald Everett last season, 478 yards. Will Disley back in 2020, 251 yards. Jacob Holster, 349 in 2019. Nick Vanette, 269 in 2018. You have to go back to 2017, really, when Russell Wilson actually had a decent tight end. And that was Jimmy Graham who put up 520 yards. And you have to go back a far season further back to 2016 Jimmy Graham to find any kind of production. And that was a 923-yard season. I'm telling you right now, Albert O, he is not on 2016 Jimmy Graham level. Now, the other tight end here who is looking exact this form of revenge is going to be Noah Fant, who was also kind of thrown in on that deal with the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos when they acquired Russell Wilson. Now, while I love revenge games, I really want to see Noah Fant go out there, ball out, and do his thing. But I can't help but shake this feeling that this is going to be a Will Disley type game where he's going to actually outperform Noah Fant. Now, I know Fant had 670 yards last season, but that connection with Geno Smith this offseason, it just hasn't been there. And it's not just that. If that connection is not connecting, if you know what I'm saying, you've also got to deal with Justin Simmons on the other side, who's one of the best defenders of tight ends in the entire National Football League. That's a bet I'm not willing to make. Now, a bet that I'm willing to make is dropping promo code 22VIPERS10 over on FantasyPoints.com because just because your draft is over, that does not mean your fantasy season ends there. It is all about that day-to-day -day management of that roster, starts and sits, waivers. You get all kinds of tools there. So you do that, get 10% off, use that promo code, thank me later. Until then, we'll see you next time.